This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. The Other 100 is a global photography initiative that aims to challenge stereotypes by highlighting people, places and cultures that are often overlooked by the major media. So the initiative, which was started by the Global Institute of Tomorrow, brings together 100 photo stories by photographers around the world through an open call for entries. It is currently on its fourth edition and photographers can still send in their entries until the 14th of August. And this time, in response to the current global pandemic, the theme is healers. So to tell us more about the initiative, we have on Zoom the founder of The Other 100, Chandran Nair. Thank you for joining me, Chandran. Thank you for having me. I think this is actually a a pretty interesting time to talk about a project like um, The Other 100 because we have all been pretty much at home and visual forms have become a big part of um, how we've we've been communicating. Perhaps the best place to start would be the beginning and to let us know what the other 100 actually is. Sure. Uh, so the the other 100 uh, was uh, an idea that I had uh, going back about now six years. And the genesis of it was my view that um, the mainstream media and everything we are inundated with essentially glorifies excess and particularly the extremes of wealth and uh, so-called beauty, big houses and things that most of us uh, do not aspire to or, 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 never want, or, or never attain. So it's, and, and the other aspect of it was my, my particular uh, uh, view that we were creating through media, mainstream media, not BFM, um, this idea that uh, these aspirations should ident- should essentially be the target of all our aspirations, etc., and it's a complete distortion of the world. So rather than write a long uh, a book, a socio-economic book about how disparities in the world should be viewed, you know, uh, two hundred thousand words, five hundred uh, pages, which no one will read, um, I felt it was more important that. Um, I looked at how to convey this simple message through what would be could from you know termed a, a coffee table book of images from around the world and get people to understand that the world was not one of essentially uh, extremes of riches etc. So the first book um, was called Just the Other Hundred, and the idea was uh, to juxtaposition it uh, with the idea of the richest one hundred. Mm, the Forbes uh, list. Yeah, start with that. And it was not to demonize the wealthiest people in the world, but to essentially deconstruct what wealth and accumulation and the glorification of wealth looked like. Uh, and I'll finish, uh, not to go into too long an answer, but to say, if there is such a thing as the richest 100, the Forbes 100, riches, etc., what is it actually trying to say? Because it would be almost impossible to find the, the poorest 100 which would be a project in itself, but you couldn't find the poorest 100, which therefore, uh, you know, in a perverse way, sort of highlighted the ridiculous nature of glorifying the 100 richest people. And that the real uh, uh, spectrum of human engagement and human uh, involvement and the way the world is built is in that spectrum. And not everyone is rich, nor can they be rich either, because if everyone tried to be the world's 100, we just have blood on the carpet. Uh, that is not to suggest that the creation of wealth is a perverse occupation, but essentially that is not how the world is. 
So we created the the, the other hundred, mm. and and it started with that. So without simplifying it a little, uh, too much, um, would it be fair to say uh, that the other 100 is essentially stories of everyday people, the stories that you may not see um, highlighted in, in most media or in most magazines? Yes, so that uh, you said it better than I could. And that's why you're in the media and I'm not. <laughs> uh, but that's exactly it. And, and, and again, to give a bit of color to what I'm trying to say, you know, there's things as the 100 most beautiful people, right? I mean, what the hell does that mean, actually, right? And of course, now there's a bit more political correctness. But for many of us, brought up, brought up on these images of the most beautiful people. Well, I used to look at them and say, "Well, none of them look like people I know. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of them come from my background." Now they put in a few black people and a few brown people, etc. But essentially, it used to be essentially Westerners and the optimization of beauty. The most handsome men were all these jokes from Hollywood, right? <laughs> and then people used to glorify that. So it was really saying, this doesn't represent the world. In fact, it's a perverse way of looking at the world. And it's not simply about ordinary, but it's about people around the world. And they, they live very happy lives without pursuing uh, simply um, uh, media attention. They're not celebrities, and that's okay. That doesn't mean we're saying it's okay to be poor, but poor is also relative in the context. And one of the things we wanted to deconstruct in part of this was also saying that um, only uh, only if you seek and pursue wealth can you be measured as successful. Mm. And that is absolutely wrong. And there's so many books which you will know, coffee table books, about the 100 most beautiful homes. Well, what does that mean? Most of them look ugly. Uh, there's a, a lot of bad artwork in it. And rich people in swimming pools. Who cares? This this is a distortion of the human experience. So was it um, from the very beginning conceived as an open call, meaning anyone could submit these photo stories or these images? Yes. So oh, a couple of things that uh, your, your question prompts me to try and explore in, in, in describing this. The other part of what we tried to do was to say that um, we wanted to represent 100 stories from 100 countries, right? So typically, again, uh, you've seen the Nat Geo, you've seen these, uh, these, these uh, magazines. They are beautiful pictures taken by photographers with great pedigrees, etc., most of them are Western photographers because they have also the economic means to fly into Afghanistan, Absolutely. find an exotic little girl and take a picture and become heroes. Or go to Papua New Guinea and take these pictures of these people. And typically, they essentially are honed around the stereotype of what people are. So, um, so you'll find in our book, you'll not find a, an image of Africa, which is about poor uh, kids, uh, you know, snot running down their noses, flies eating off a tin plate off a dirt floor. Uh, that's not the story of Africa. I lived in Africa. Yes, there's poverty, there's historical context, but there's also a great amount of other things happening, etc. But depending on the biases of the photographers and essentially the, what the media is looking for, then the story of the Afghan girl sells. Mm. Right. But if you took an Afghan and asked them to take a picture, they would not take that picture. It would be a very different story. Similarly, if you flew someone from Australia who think they own Papua New Guinea 
uh, and then take an image, then you get all these, you know, hornbill sort of uh, uh, decorations around first people, etc. But if you took a pop one and said, capture your story, it'd be a very different story. So one of the things we wanted to do as much as we could is to avoid the celebrity photographer. Mm. So the picture is not about the technical perfection. The picture is about the story it tells. And the story it tells depends on the photographer as well. And the, the photographer's view depends on where they come from as well. Their own biases, et cetera, et cetera, which I mentioned. So we've had in the second one we did, uh, or the first one we did about the other hundred, lot of stories from the Middle East. I was essentially all photographers from some of the big uh, organizations, photojournalists, and it was all about militant Muslims, oppressed women, and destruction and war. And I wanted pictures about celebrating human life. Mm. So a lot of those stories got thrown out, and I think I made a few enemies with some famous photographers. <laughs> um, and I, I, I give an example to make this point. Uh, that was the first one when the Syrian war was, was at its height. So we got a lot of photo photographs from people who essentially misconstrued what we were trying to do, from photographers who flew in, you know, you know, the war correspondent type, and a lot of choreographed photographs, right, depicting stereotypes. And, and we rejected most of them. And then I got a photograph from someone local from Syria who gave a picture of essentially five traders people selling things and create and essentially depicting life without the horrors, but how life carries on. And that was the picture selection, the photographer we selected mm -hmm. for the first one, the other hundred in a war torn conflict area without taking sides. So that was back in 2013. And since then, the collection on small entrepreneurs, you've yes. done a collection on um, education, educators, I believe. Um, am I miss yeah. And is this the fourth? This is the fourth iteration. This is the fourth. Yeah. Very quickly, the first, the second one on entrepreneurs was essentially, again, that tongue in cheek. Uh, the celebration of entrepreneurs yes. was usually some... Uh, some dot-com sort of, uh, you know, Ponzi scheme, uh, the VCs, etc. You know, no earnings, but all superheroes, right? <laughs> and that, it's all about dot-coms and rich people. But, you know, the, the reality of the world is that 70% of uh, businesses are run by SMEs. And these people do not look to become billionaires. They do, they do not have uh, VCs as investors. Uh, they're not looked, they didn't go to a business school, thank God. Uh, they just run businesses and they look to do things better every day and they're not looking to IPO. Okay? <laughs> then the third one was educators. And again, it was tongue in cheek. There's the FT, you know, ranking of business schools, which is a tyranny in itself. So, what is the purpose of education? And we've seen most of the scams, business leaders, who have been all went to these business schools, these highly ranked schools. So the, the purpose of that one was to say, what is the purpose of education? Who are educators? Uh, you know, my mother could be have been my best educator, instilling me in me certain values that I would never have learned in going to the the school, the business school I went to, etc. 
So all of so we have this whole uh, mix of people mm-hmm. from different countries. And um, I love the I love the name of the project this time around. You're calling it Healers. Yes. Um, tell us what that's about. So this one was essentially. Uh, we thought with with the with the pandemic, the unprecedented challenge, uh, there was a need to celebrate again and showcase uh, the incredible work that people are doing. And then the first uh, obvious reaction, uh, first obvious, um, I suppose, thought was to have the health workers who are doing amazing jobs, mm-hmm. etc. But then as we thought about this more, and we're always thinking about a, a different way of looking at these things, we said, well, the health worker is critical, clearly. But what about those people who are disposing of waste, all the medical waste? What about the people who are in the supermarkets? We know all of these people. How about the security guards and all of that? And then what about the people who are essentially helping societies with preventative care, etc., advising people on, uh, on uh, what they eat? As we've seen, when people eat wrongly, they're more susceptible. So we came up with the idea that we would invite open call and get people to interpret the notion of healers at the uh, at the time of the of the pandemic. Mm. So that was really the idea. And we're getting some amazing entries so far from around the world. Yeah. I've seen some very, very interesting um, examples on your website already. Um, we do need to take a quick break. But uh, when we come back, I really want to get more into what this year's competition, um, or rather this year's open call, is um, going to be like. I'm speaking with Chandran Nair, founder of The Other 100, which has an open call for photographs themed around the idea of healers in line with the current global pandemic. So we'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture, and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. With me is Chandran Nair, founder of a global photography initiative called The Other 100, which currently has an open call for photo stories on the theme of healers inspired by the current COVID-19 pandemic. So the open call is on until the 14th of August. Um, so Chandran, you know, before the break, you you sort of set up what this year's theme is. I yeah. think one of the big changes for this year is that it's also migrating to becoming a digital project versus That's a coffee right. table book. That's right. What? Why was that decision made? Well, part of the reason was that, um, you know, actually the fourth, this is the fourth one, but for about a year and a half, I've been trying to, at that time, the big story was migrants, right? So I was actually trying to raise money. Uh, this is all nonprofit, raise money to do a story uh, around the other hundred migrants. Essentially, the story that the, uh, the, human, uh, the, the human story is one of migration all over the world, right? But migrants have become such a bad term, particularly in the context of what was happening in Europe. But even in our context in countries like Malaysia, etc., there are some people who want to call me a pandatam, and I, I want to say, no, I'm Abigir. Okay, so that story was what we wanted to do, but I couldn't, I was um, very busy, couldn't raise money. Some people were worried about the political nature of the discussion about the other 100 migrants. So, um, so this year we wanted to do this quickly, uh, and the, the book publication costs a lot more money. So I said, you know, and people have suggested we go digital, mm. okay, uh, and it has some benefits. So I, I raised the money very quickly, and I'm very grateful for the sponsors. I didn't need to raise that much money, uh, and we started it. So one of the reasons was to go very quickly, do it, 
uh, and in a way also grab the the moment uh, now, which is there's a lot more acceptance of the nature of the, the digital media. Mm. And uh, although I'm a big fan of books, <laughs> I had to um, say, okay, not a book, but if we get more money, we will publish some some copies of this. So that was the idea. The other point of the digital was also the, the ability as we grow this uh, to essentially, you know, have videos and things on it to talk about certain stories and interviews, etc. Does that also mean that um, the project will now be more accessible to people who may not necessarily be able to purchase the book? Um, Absolutely right. Yeah, and I'm hoping that will be the the case. So I have. Uh, Stewed my love of you know having a book. Uh, I think there's I, a place for a good coffee book. table book. <laughs> there is still one, yeah, good. Okay, so maybe we do a limited edition yeah. of the printed ones, but this is supposed to be more accessible. Will be more accessible. So tell us about the the open call itself. Yeah, so we 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 cover all parts of the world. So one of the things about the other hundred, you know, going back to the original one, for instance, when you talk about the other hundred then there's a stereotype. The other hundred are some brown, black people yeah. in the impoverished countries. And one of the things I wanted to say is the other other hundred exists everywhere. So we cover every continent, the, all the continents, the five main regions, Asia, Europe, North America, Latin America, and Africa. Mm-hmm. And we go uh, and we do a ton of work to make sure that each region is proportionally represented, okay? So I wanted to show, for instance, that when we did the original other hundred, there are the other hundred in uh, Europe. And the other hundred in Europe is not some migrant again. So we're constantly, the whole purpose is to mess with your head (laughs) in your stereotypes. So the the other hundred from Germany is not some poor Turkish person or some North African who migrated and is sweeping the streets and is so happy to be in Munich. The other hundred in Germany was actually a German person, right? Right. Because there are. So you see what I mean. Mm. So in North America too, uh, the USA, um, I think there's two countries or three that we have, because they're so large, uh, we have two entries each. So in a way, we typically have about 95 countries. India, China, and the USA get two entries. And the the U.S. one, um, in the first edition, I think we had one story of essentially a, a white person who was the other hundred. I think it was a young woman, actually. And the other was a black couple, right? So so it's, it's, uh, it's really making it all different. And I remember we, in Australia, we had a story about uh, the First Nation people mm. uh, of Australia. So it's every continent, and we are very determined. That's where the hard work is. Because if you just do an open call, you get inundated with photos from uh, Europe, USA. Uh, China is pretty rich in terms of these kind of and India. Mm. Uh, so you could fill a book with great stories just from these four places. But my God, we want a story from Laos. I want a story from Fiji. Mm. I want a story from Mali. I want a story from Bolivia. I want a story from Cameroon. All of this. So we actively go. And in the first one, I even had we even had a story from Cuba. Mm-hmm. The places that people don't think about, right? And so we, we actively go there. 
we use networks we have. We rely on some very, very good networks and people. And we've been fortunate we have these networks and we've built it over the years. And so this version will have 100 stories at, le at least uh, from at least 95 countries. And the search is on. So we have Yemen. We have uh, Saudi Arabia. We want a story from Saudi Arabia. Right. Iran. All of those countries. And Malaysia, don't forget. So in the in the in the last um, the last iteration of the open call, um, did you manage to get that one from every one of the countries that we wanted? Yes. Ah, oh, that's what quite, happens that's impressive. is we will typically get uh, something like you know ten to twelve thousand entries, uh, and from uh, say one hundred and fifty to two hundred countries, right? Then we have a judging panel, and we choose a hundred, and and that. So our our work at the moment is reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, and getting those countries. And there's an element of making sure that certain parts of the world are not uh, underrepresented. That's the hard work. You know, it's so easy to underrepresent Latin America, and for this one, we've I don't know to what channel, but we've got a flood of amazing stories from Latin America, mm. right? We want stories from, say, you know, uh, uh, parts of Africa, which is just not Nigeria or, you know, South Africa, the more uh, difficult to reach places, uh, and particularly sub-Saharan Africa, Sahara Africa, etc. And we want also the South Pacific Islands. So that's the hard work. Mm. And in some sense, then, um, because you're looking for one or in, in some countries' cases too, um, are each of the entries sort of only being measured against each other from that particular country? No, no, they're not. Uh, people come from all over the world. I mean, we're not discriminating that, you know, because you come from Germany, but you took a picture in Tunisia, we're not going to allow you in. No, no, no. Uh, but we do, we do, I suppose, uh, preferentially look at the Tunisian photographer who is going to offer an insight that is different. But there's some minimum criteria. The, the, the pho photograph has to essentially capture the ethos of this particular public, particular series. It has to have a certain technical, uh, certain quality that we can produce. But we're not looking for every image to be a National Geographic image, if you see what I mean, right? right? Uh, so there is contact. In some situations, in some countries, we only get two, right? And both of them may not uh, be of the same quality as the one we got from Bangladesh. Actually, Bangladesh is very interesting. There is uh, a extremely sophisticated and active um, uh, culture uh, uh, industry of photographers, right? So we might not get that high quality thing. But we want to represent, uh, you know, Yemen. And this is the only photo we got. Uh, and it is not the same quality, but the story is so good, we're going to take it. Mm. So one of the things we used to have when we had the judging panel was I have to constantly argue with the judges <laughs> that I am not, uh, not looking for the stereotype. Uh, and many are uh, looking for stereotypes perfect pictures, 
we're not looking for cuddly stories, you know, the hippie NGO stuff, right? <laughs> we're not looking for that stuff just to make you feel good, right? So, uh, and then we're not looking for that, you know, award-winning uh, National Geographic or Time photo. So there is all of those things, and we debate and get people to understand. I'm happy to trade uh, a subpar photograph for a first-class insight and story that will get the reader to say, oh, my God, I didn't think about that. Mm. I didn't think about this this way either. So who is this? Um, who, what, what sorts of people or who is this judging panel made up of? Well, uh, typically, uh, we bring together judges from uh, who are world-famous editors or photographers. Before, we had the editor of Nat Geo, uh, all sorts of photographers. Uh, all sorts of people with that qualification. Uh, this year, um, I'm going to be the judge because we can't bring the judges together. Right. Uh, we don't have the budget, etc. So I'm going to put up my hands and I'm going to be the, the authoritarian judge. <laughs> I like to think I have a, I have a, I have a insight from being the creator of this uh, that I will uh, be very uh, impartial. But I don't think that comes into it because the submissions speak for themselves. They're almost there, there. Mm -hmm. uh, in the earlier editions, we had a judging panel uh, also to the truth be told, to give credibility and legitimacy to the, the brand. I think the brand now stands. Um, we have a limited budget. So I, when I say myself, I have my colleagues here who always rein me in for my excesses <laughs> and that we... We, we will put something out there that I hope everyone will, you know, uh, enjoy. And it's never going to be perfect, but that's the point. It's mm. what do you take away from it? If I could add one little thing about the book as well. A lot of coffee table books, and this is going to be online, typically rely on a stunning image, and that's it. That's it. So you go away with the image. One of the requirements of the submissions here is, again, it comes back to the relationship. We do not like uh, to have submissions from the world-class photographer who's a foyer, who parachuted into a trouble-torn country in their Learjets, took pictures and left mm -hmm. of exotic people, right? Uh, we don't like that. So one of the things we do here is <laughs> we want people who have a connection with the subject. So you have to typically say who you are uh, but also who the subject is. Mm. So there's a story. So you have to name them and, and what their what their context what they is. Do. And yeah. what's the context? So they tell who the context is. So if you look at I one of my favorites is uh in our first book, uh again this idea of deconstructing stereotypes and prejudices. We had a lovely submission from Pakistan of six images of essentially people on the train looking out because the stereotype of Pakistan is chaotic a lot of angry Muslims and they're always fighting and arguing and all they do is go and pray right and here were these images of these Pakistani people uh, just pensive looking out of the window right and each with a name and that got people to think yeah they just like you and me they got a name they're thinking they're not wealthy people, nor are they impoverished. They're just people like most of us. 
And that, for me, has captured it. And then so we got all of the stories. And then on each page, we tried to do a little infographic. So that draws the reader away from the picture into the individual and then into something about the country. So in this, on the page on Pakistan, we put, and we will do the same for this particular uh, uh, edition, we had a map of Pakistan with the train. It was called the Karachi Express. Right. And where it travels and which stations it stops. And I had people call tell me, my God, you know that those pictures arrested me so much. I went and bought a book about Pakistan. That's what we want you to do. Get curious. Don't, uh, don't watch uh, you know, mainstream media and demonize a whole country and a culture and a civilization. And go and figure out what this dream is about, who these people are. And my God, why are they wearing those bangles? What do they represent? <laughs> Just those kinds of things. So we do an infographic where we can with some quirky information so that the reader is then drawn to the next level, not just the shock uh, uh, of the image they see, whether it's beautiful or essentially traumatizes them in certain ways. Right. Now, the call for this year has already been open for a while and it ends on August 15th. Um, what are the submissions looking like? I've seen, I've seen a few on the website already, um, but what are the themes that you're picking up on? What are the things that stand out? Uh, you know, I would be honest and say I haven't gone through all of them, but I've seen quite a few, right? Um, because I tried to stay away during the submission time because, you know, uh, and let the process work in itself. But we, what we've had is uh, a pickup in the last two weeks of lots of submissions. It's always this way. Uh, as the submissions deadline, deadline gets closer, people start to submit. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, we have seen a good distribution from around the world. But interestingly, this time, we're not seeing that amount of the, we're not getting the, the amount we would like from, say, Europe. So we're going to activate certain contacts and go and see that. But from a regional point of view, get more Europeans. But what we are seeing is everything from, of course, we're getting a lot of healthcare workers and, and uh, expectedly so. But we're also think, seeing very interesting things about how people are using culture to essentially create positivity in society. For us, that is essentially um, uh, a way of looking at being a healer. You're creating confidence, resilience, through positivity. We are seeing other more sad stories. Of, I think we got one from Peru, where an elderly couple uh, felt that they should essentially offer services in a dignified way to those who are either suffering from the illness or even passed away. So those sorts of things we are seeing. Uh, we are seeing also a very interesting uh, stories about people who run education classes and are teaching people about how to cope with this. And also other things with alternative medicines. I mean, of course, we are not going to take uh, any uh, uh, sides on fake medicine and, you know, the, the Trump medicine and stuff like that. Uh, but people are exploring alternative methods of healing and stuff like that. So a great spectrum of uh, things. Uh, also technology interventions. And I'd like to also see, uh, celebrate healers who are policymakers, mm. right? Policymakers like our director general in Malaysia, um, 
are heroes and healers in many ways because they have uh, done their work so well. They have made sure that they are not uh, caught up in the politics. They are healers too. So policy is also uh, uh, it's also healing. Do you think that there have been challenges for the um, for the entries for the photographers that uh, because in a lot of places movement is restricted that they are unable to go out and and take the photos that they otherwise might have? No, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. So one of the big differences we are having this time is in previous uh, editions we get a lot of photographers, particularly those who are who do it for a living who go and look at their portfolio and say, here's a photo. And, and uh, we have some conditions about taking something out from your portfolio, right? If it's 25 years old, I'm not interested. But at least in the last year, we are interested and it's pertinent. So we get a lot of portfolio submissions. This year, this is completely unprecedented right. in human history. So people don't have things in their portfolio. So, so people can't just send you something that they have uh, who are one of supporters. And then compounded with, they can't go out in some situations and take photos as well. So that is our challenge. And in the first few weeks, when the lockdown in most parts of the world was, was pretty severe, um, that was a real challenge. As things have opened up a bit in most parts of the world in some way, uh, now we're seeing more more coming in. And I like the fact that we are not getting our portfolio pictures. We are getting on the ground here and now. And that's really um, uh, what what this, this thing is all about, this, 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 uh, this, this edition. Right. So we do need to um, wrap up soon, but um, I think most people who might be thinking of submitting would want to know, is there a prize involved? Yeah. Uh, we we offer each of the hundred selected uh, essentially uh, a financial contribution because you know photographers take photos they make a living out of it we want to respect that so there is a, there is a sum of money if you are picked as the one hundred um, if I can raise a few bit more money over the next uh, I'm being very transparent here if I can raise a bit more money uh, in the next few weeks. Um, but I would like to essentially have a nice, decent, right, decent price for the first five that we pick as the first first five. Uh, that's a that's an important thing. So the hundred that get picked uh, will get a small a small token, uh, and then the others will the the top five will get something as well, right? Uh, so if you've got any rich friends and any rich people listening to this, uh, please uh, do co- contact us. Um, I would love to get a Malaysian supporter. I mean, so I, I put it on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Malaysian millionaire or billionaire. Oh, there's quite a few billionaires. Money gone missing and all. Uh, <laughs> so, so any Malaysian rich people uh, who identify with this, uh, please get in touch with BFM or myself. We would love to have a Malaysian contributor to support the program, uh, su- support this edition some way. Can I say one more thing Absolutely. about unique about this, the book, uh, about the series? So we have the photos I told you about. Then we have the, uh, you can't be a four-year. You have to know the subject. Tell us what's your name, right? Uh, who are they? So that's a connection. Uh, and then the context, we put some infographics. But what we also do, which is very unique, um, 
from day from the first publication, uh, we go and get ten uh, uh, writers, world famous writers, to write a little essay around the 100. So when we pick the 100, I send it to a, a, a essayist, a writer, a, a commentator, and said, "This is the theme. Write something for us." So we've been very fortunate that over the last three editions, uh, we've had some really good people write for us. Uh, we've had uh, Pankaj Mishra write for us in the first edition, and this the, and the same will happen this time. And again, uh, staying true to our non-conformist um, sort of um, belief, uh, we don't go to the usual suspects. So I don't want necessarily all the writers to be people who are just good at writing in English, right? Right. So that's also a tyranny in my view. But the idea is to get people to, uh, writers to write essays. And so we will get, just as we represent five corners of the world, or all corners of the world, I say in five continents, we will get writers from Africa, Latin America, Southeast Asia, China, India, Europe, the USA, and all over, and that's not, and the Middle East. And where they where they are not native speakers, then we do the hard work of editing, translating it, because their message is more important than whether they write in uh, perfect English. If you see what I mean, sure. And that, yeah. That's one of the tyrannies of the world. There's so many thoughts and ideas that are excluded from mainstream because we have a mainstream media that is dominated by the Western media. And my God, if you don't speak English, posh, you don't get hurt. <laughs> That's one thing we want to avoid in the other hundred. So there's the other hundred writers as well, sort of in this thing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Chandran. Please. And I, I love a Malaysian writer to also sell. We want money from a Malaysian and we'd like a couple of Malaysian writers. Please. You heard it here, guys. You know, if you'd like to get in touch, if you want to be a part of the other 100, you know what to do. I've been speaking with Chandran Nair, founder of a global photography initiative called The Other 100 by the Global Institute of Tomorrow. So they are currently running an open call for photo stories on the theme of healers inspired by the current COVID-19 pandemic. And anyone from anywhere in the world can submit their photographs. The closing date is on the 14th of August. For more information on the guidelines and how to submit, visit theother100.com. And if you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.